The Youthscape Podcast. Well, hello. Uh, I'm back. Uh, yes! Normal service has been resumed. It is the proper Youthscape Podcast now. Uh, oh! <laughs> no, I feel a little oh, can, you can you Can you sense, Rachel, that I feel a little bit, a little bit vulnerable right now? Oh, Martin, I am reaching out to you and your extra short sideburns ah. uh, with all the love that I can bring from, from Preston. Me and Lucy, we had a great time last week, but we definitely missed you. Oh, you, well. you were the presence in the room. You were the, the slightly unwashed character in a tent that completely fills his garden. You know, yeah. We were very mindful of that presence in our lives when we recorded last week. But we, we stayed on track and it was good. But it's lovely to have you back. It's nice to be back. I had to do the, the strange uh, sort of process of trying to have a, a holiday at home when life has been at home. And it was the same, it's the same group of people doing this, but trying to do slightly different things in slightly different ways. Um, so that was interesting, but we, we, we managed it. We did have a camping trip for one night, as I pointed out to you on, uh, I texted you the next morning. The it, yeah. That the, uh, the, the females of the family, my wife, my daughter, and even my dog were the three that didn't make it through the night and the hardy four men, uh, all made it through and slept. I mean, I say slept, we stayed out in my garden. I, honestly, what must the neighbours have thought to look over their, their fences or out of their back windows? Because I live in quite a tight, you know, like terracy kind of road. So, so there isn't much garden. And so the, gar- the garden was completely filled with tent. And so, um, so anybody looking out of their window would have immediately noticed it and probably thought we were absolutely mad. We were probably all over Instagram from various different <laughs> angles. Anyway, we, we survived. It was fun. I loved it. I loved it that your wife and daughter and dog were like, well, there is a tent and, and it is here, but actually the house is right there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we're not going to kind of abide by the patriarchy that says that we've got to do this. You know, the house is ours. We're going to take up room. We're going to take up the space. I'm really, I, I, said, I text the next one and so I'm so proud of them. I, you know, <laughs> my heart is with them, not with you. Yeah. I love it. That's so cool. So basically, I know what everyone is doing now listening to this podcast. Everyone has got their little bowl of, whether it's like popcorn or mm. snacks or like just very small cut up bits of bread to make it feel like popcorn. And we're just sat here. Martin, we are waiting for some tales of your holiday because what? only you could turn this holiday into something powerful. Were there any poo, sick or nudity stories that you could share with us? Oh, gosh. I mean, I have. I probably exposed myself to the neighbours more. <laughs> over the last four weeks than at any point previously, because I do, I do dally a little bit with danger, you know, coming out of the shower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my wife opens the curtains. There's a thing she does is if she's had her shower. She then opens the curtains, even though I've Mm. still got to come down from the shower. And then I have to do the dance of of death, (laughs) but getting to my wardrobe past the window whilst completely naked and normally that's fine but of course now everyone's at home working from home in their front windows yeah, exactly so the, the chap opposite has seen all of me uh, multiple times um we had I, the, the I guy, the last time 
We, my hilarious story this morning is the gentleman who's, um, we've got a little backyard and his little backyard like connects with our backyard. And he decided this morning quite early to re-roof his shed. And so he climbed up just as my two kids decided it would be hilarious to remove all their clothes and dance around in the garden. And he went, oh, 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 bless him. Of all the times we've had to pop up over top of the shed, it was absolutely hilarious. So you're absolutely right. We're having to kind of give each other a lot more space, aren't we? My, my other neighbours of the side are deciding that even though there's a lockdown, there are seven of them in the house. They had a big rave last night. Oh, and great. And the music went on to about two in the morning. So we are a little bit of a party cul-de-sac at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I also uh, took the plunge and had a haircut. Yes, I see. Yeah, which is, um, I think it's, it's gone pretty well, actually. But I could, my wife, we ordered some clippers and uh, and so we've been shaving everybody's heads not everybody's heads just again just the boys uh but uh, but we've done hair and we started with the youngest <laughs> we genuinely thought he's a guinea pig it's a little bit like the classic thing of the of the baby in the bathwater you just thought sorry zachary pay your dues we're going to shave your head if it goes wrong you'll 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 have many other years of good hair i this may be the last lot of hair that i get so we have to be a bit more careful with me and um and so we worked, we worked our way up to me. And then my wife just, she just stood behind me and you could just sense the joy that she had all this power in her hands, just buzzing away. And then she just, mm. she just began with one big stripe right across the top, just to say, just so there was no turning back. No, and then it, and conquer. as it fell, I was like, uh, oh, this is, this could be awful or it could be okay. And she, my, my daughter came out and she said, oh, it's going quite well. And as she said that, the shaver ran out of battery. And, uh, and the problem is with these shavers is they don't charge like quickly. They take like five or six hours to get back up to full charge. So for a while I had half a haircut and I did think I was going to have to attend some meetings today. I've had the whole day on Zoom calls today and I thought I was going to have to do the whole thing with half a haircut. So Oh, bless you. So all, all is intact. It's fine. You found it, a bit it, of hair and you stuck it back to the front. With marmalade. Yeah, the marmalade, the comb over is intact. That's it. I love it. So one of the things that Lucy, just to bring up to speed, one of the things that Lucy and I talked about, as well as the you know absolute top draw stuff around her research, we talked about the random items that have been delivered at our homes by very kind neighbours who have seen us reach out to the world. I mean, how how self centred is this? We've put like messages on Twitter or Facebook to the world, but it's some poor local neighbour that feels, oh bless her, I know where she lives. So I've had a potty delivered outside my door. Oh. Lucy has had crisps. So now that you, know, if you put something on social media about the, the, the hair clippers, you might, by the time we finish this podcast, you might have some hair clippers outside your door. Do you have kind neighbours that do that kind of stuff? We have had some neighbours who popped round. We, we had some neighbours who popped round with some Easter eggs for the children because, oh. of, because they'd heard the children playing in the garden. And we couldn't tell whether that was a genuine act of love or a supreme kind of act of, of, of passive aggression. You know, because I thought my kids have been pretty loud and we've thrown quite a lot of balls over that fence. Um, but then but then what's happened is my youngest kids have become obsessed with creating gifts for this particular couple. And so they keep delivering on our walk. Oh. They keep delivering a new loom band bracelet or oh. or piece of junk art that we've made. And th- this family's kind of like recycling bins are going to be absolutely full of... <laughs> rubbish that we've got rid of and palmed off to our kids as hey why don't you make some art out of this 
<laughs> Zachary's name on it. Zachary, Zachary, age five. Oh, I love it. So um, more things we need to catch up with then to uh, to yes. go up to speed. We're literally, um, we just started recording. This is just our this met. is just our catch up. That's great. It's brilliant. But but I think there was a bit of a, a, of a church phenomenon last week. Spring Harvest oh, went yeah. at home and it was so popular. You participated in this, didn't you? Yes. So I participated in it and um, I, I have to admit, very naughtily, once I realised that probably Spring Harvest wasn't going to happen even before it was announced, um, I probably did what lots of speakers did, which is I didn't really prep um, any of the material. And then, of course, they said, well, actually, you want to do Spring Harvest at home. So we quickly, I think people quickly cobbled things together. So it definitely had, in the nice possible way that homespun feel to it mm. like nobody was recording in studios everyone was just in their lounge it was very homespun um including our wonderful bishop jill from up here you know she just recorded it in her in her office and yet it was some of the most powerful teaching i've ever heard there was something mm. so dynamic about it um but what was really interesting for me martin was um that, that, that the uh, kind of the perfect storm of it was the week after Easter people probably had holidays booked and they were cancelled it's lockdown and no kids are at school so there's no school lessons to do mm. and it, it just felt like there was a, a percentage of the of the church population that just did spring harvest for the week mm. um and it worked brilliantly i don't know if you engaged with any of the stuff mind you in a tent weren't you i was only in a tent for a day uh but uh, but i have to be honest we kind of checked out of of the world of so life, i, was, I, yeah. I yeah. checked out of, of everything so i wasn't really aware of it until i came back this weekend and everyone was saying oh gosh everybody did spring harvest so i feel like i've missed out the good thing is i suppose i can just go back and watch it back now can i because it'll be on you can't until the 30th of april it's free I mean, and i'm good for them they it was all free it was mm. all free and, and obviously they have missed out on a huge amount of money and so there are opportunities to donate absolutely they were very upfront about that but it was all just put on there for free and i think people that would never think to go to spring harvest looked on the YouTube channel and thought, well, I don't like that, but I like the sound of that. Mm -hmm. And it was a great resource. Tell you the other thing that I just thought was really a real sign of hope, and I don't know quite where this will go, is the first night that it was the, the live service was Bishop yeah. Jill. Um, and the worship was one guy with his guitar in his lounge, and mm -hmm. it was fantastic. It was lovely Sam Blake from Elam Sound. Um, and then it was Bishop Jill who said, you know, normally there's a big amount of worship and then you get onto the big platform after a real build up. But there's none of that. I'm just in my office and it's just me. It was so beautiful the way she said that. But when but the, the live chat was happening the whole time. And I, mm. and I thought, oh, my goodness, 50,000 people on a live chat. This is going to go horribly wrong. And, you know, Martin. I was watching the feed rapidly unfold and the sense of joy in people's hearts. They were saying, hi, I'm from Bolton. Hi, I'm from New Zealand. Hi, I'm from the Netherlands. Like there wow. was such a joy of all these Christians or whoever, you know, some of them wouldn't be Christians, just saying, I'm here, I'm here. Mm. And it was such an explosion of joy that I, I was, re that, that really took my breath away actually, that people just loved connecting with something that felt huge. And the overwhelming experience of it was joyful, just joy. There wasn't moaning. There wasn't, there wasn't, you know, it was just, it was just so joyful. It was fantastic. There's something interesting there about 
switching up the classic conference model where the audience are, are basically invisible. You know, they are, I say the audience, silence. it's a, a slip of the tongue, but, um, but the congregation yeah. are, are passive, as you say, silent, only required to sing when they're instructed to sing and therefore amplifying what's being produced from the stage. Um, whereas the opportunity to be a bit naughty and type during the talk, yeah. you know, is, is quite, uh, that's quite profound in its own way because it, it, it obviously connects with a need and it connects with a, a, a desire in people, which is really interesting. How did they do or did they do prayer ministry and praying for people using, you know, this kind of platform? How did they do that? Do you know what? I don't think they did that. And that's, the, I hadn't even realized that until you said it. Um, now they might've done it in some way. Cause generally by the time it came to the end, I was putting the kids to bed, but, but they had like some live conversation debate panel type thing afterwards, but I don't mm. think they offered prayer ministry. And that's an interesting one. Cause our church, our platform allows us to offer prayer ministry, but that people use that right at the beginning, but they're not really using it now. And I'm wondering mm. if that's one aspects of the online stuff that does feel really lacking because when you want prayer ministry you want it to be mm. at least a phone call not not types don't you mm. that's a great point maybe someone else can uh, answer yeah, that yeah i mean it sounds it sounds amazing i i think there's some really exciting stuff um that people are doing around because we're doing this this is uh you know what we're doing as church is mainly broadcast youtube-based uh, with a little bit of interactivity. And I think it's really exciting to see people innovating in that way. I guess maybe where the question is coming from for me is, 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 a, is a little bit of a worry that we might get so excited about this way of doing things that we, we actually just um, find a new way of doing uh, consumer kind of, you know, um, mm. uh, well, for want of a better word, Christian TV you know, mm-hmm. which, and, mm-hmm. and a slightly more interactive version of Christian TV. Now I'm not saying that's what spring harvest at home was, but if we're not careful, that's what we could start to replicate, isn't it? We could go, mm-hmm. what we really need is more Christian broadcasting. And I don't think the last mm-hmm. 10 years have really borne that out. Proved that. What, what I found interesting, cause I would absolutely agree with you, but I think for me, the spring harvest home church thing flipped on its head. So I find Sundays really sad. Actually, I still do. I really miss our building, mm. our congregation, the homeless who just wandering from the streets. Not, none of that's happening. So we do a great service and we chat, but it, I, I find it very difficult to connect. So my expectations of spring harvest was, oh, I'll, I'll watch a couple of talks. I'll watch, I'll watch them. But I think because suddenly I saw people engaging, um, I, I felt a lot more drawn into the community and people were using a multiple different ways of platform to say here's a photo of us doing the big start song so people really they really lent in and, I, and so that really surprised me that mm. my church my weekly my local community church I'm feeling the kind of the shrinking and the kind of the <clears throat> of that mm. whereas spring harvest I felt everybody was a bit more human and mm. I think you're that's you're right we cease to be just a mono crowd we we um were something more now whether that'll ever happen again i don't know because i think that that might have been a one-off but um yeah it was it was very interesting i'd like to chat with john hawksworth and some others about how the youth stuff planned out so maybe we can get him on for a future podcast Mm. because i i wonder whether young people actually saw themselves as part of the whole thing Mm. and and less access the youth programs i'd like to find out from him 
how he thinks their aspect went. So I'm not mm. sure. I couldn't really tell from the figures what that was what that was doing. I'm really interested. Um, so there was a, uh, a a conversation on on social media a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, which you have to work quite hard to follow the thread of this. But we ended up doing one of our um, uh, three by three questions uh, that Dr. Lucy Shuker was talking about the other day around it which was um, uh, the conversation was on the, um, uh, the think tank that Concrete, uh, Concrete were doing around digital youth work or online youth work. And Tom Clark, uh, who's the youth pastor at Holy Trinity Brompton in London, uh, started to talk about how um, young people, in his experience, have started to put down their phones and are experiencing some sense of if if digital burnout's probably a bit strong, but being a bit switched off by having to spend so much time on technology. And it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago that didn't feel right to me. Like I actually um, I challenged it because I I that wasn't my experience. But fast forward a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I actually think he's right. And maybe he was, you know, maybe he was right at the time, and I was wrong. Um, because I am now starting to see young people um, mm. put their technology down and be less and less enamoured with their technology. Not, mm. not totally, but so just some interesting insights. Because I've got this weird, kind of weird insight of being in a house with teenagers. Mm. Um, my, um, my, my son hasn't played PlayStation for about a week and a half. And I think that's the first time he hasn't played PlayStation for more than a couple of days in two or three years. So that's interesting, isn't it? That's just wow. just in and of itself. My son stopped playing with his PlayStation. My, What's he doing instead? What's uh, he's he's reading? He's got into uh, music. So my daughter and he, uh, both my eldest two, have started learning the guitar. Um, oh. I started teaching themselves the guitar, which is interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, he's doing less PlayStation. He's doing more reading. They're out. We have a very small garden, but when we don't have it full of a tent, they're kind of outside as much as they can be. Um, they're doing a bit of cooking, stuff like that. Mm. Um, I think partly because they're being asked to go online for school yeah. and even a youth worker is asking them to go online. And since I've told quite a lot of success stories over the last couple of weeks, let me give you a less than successful story. We've, um, we've been running quite a successful kind of YouTube experience for our our um interactive thing for for our young people for the last four or five weeks and we've had you know probably a a good number uh engaging live every week probably 50 young people uh, at any one time engaging um and then i put out a call to the same young people to ask them whether they want to do some smaller group stuff like you've been doing uh which is more of a sort of a you know, Bible study or more of a, you know, see, see, all see each other's faces, small group thing, imagining this was the thing they were crying out for, almost no response. Almost none of these young people want to do that. Um, probably because, I, and, and, and so I've got a growing sense of, and again, you know, this is all built on my own direct experience. So it's very, very anecdotal, is that young people are getting asked to use screens so much, they're just a bit tired of them. Mm-hmm. And they, they long for face-to-face personal connection. And because they can't have that, they are, they're getting more and more switched mm-hmm. off by their screens. Is it also that the online space has suddenly become more of a formal place, whereas 
generally for young people it's an informal place where there absolutely are no adults that's the whole point it's downtime it's in the space between your formal learning and formal family stuff is there a bit of that do you think i think i think so and and as part of that as well you know that thing about uh young people the the joke being young people aren't on facebook young people aren't on twitter yeah you know yeah. we have this um, wherever we are <laughs> wherever we are they aren't and um and i i do wonder with um, so a couple of years ago, the idea, well, six months ago, if you asked what my parents' favorite YouTuber was, or even my favorite YouTuber, you know, I would have laughed in your face. But now my parents have a favorite YouTuber. You know, and, <laughs> and, and I have a favorite YouTuber. And of course, it's everybody's favorite YouTuber, it's Joe Wicks. But, um, yeah. but you know, as soon as we've, and, and Spring Harvest was on, was on YouTube, right? Yes, that's it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think now adults are colonizing what were youth innovation spaces. I imagine young people now go somewhere else. They're, they're like, I don't want to be on YouTube, it's full of adults. So it's so interesting, isn't it? And what will those other spaces be? Is your hunch that it, we're going to see a real spike in really fantastic, yeah, more TikTok kind of strange <laughs> versions of that? Or are we going to see a, a generation sort of a little bit more local, authentic, grassroots? Uh, you know, ha, ha, and do we need mm. to just step back and let, let that happen and just keep... I don't know. Yeah. What, what, what do you feel is our response to this? No, I'm not. Well, I'm no futurist, so I don't know what's emerging. I think it is, a, uh, you know, if there's one thing I've been saying since the start that still counts, because most of the things I've said since the start have all got overtaken by new things. But but this this still feels true. I think we just need to keep pay close attention to young people and where they're leading and where they're going, um, because they they will be the ones that shape. The, the future and their what their generation looks like can never be we we can't shape it and we can't guess what it's going to look like it's that it's in their hands so it'll be very interesting to see and observe what young people do next but i imagine things like instagram will become less popular and youtube will become less popular and even tiktok because brands and grown-ups mm. Are, are cottoning onto these places and using them to try and sell stuff and to try and be present with young people. As soon as that happens, young people leave. That's always what's happened before. One of the really interesting bits of research that, that Dr. Lucy's done um, is, and, and again, she said it's a difficult one to quantify, but she said, do you, to youth workers, do you think young people are abiding by the social distancing rules? Are they staying at home? And uh, sort of quite a high percentage said, yes, they, they think they are. You know, we, we don't know what young people are doing, actually, because we're all stuck in our houses, aren't we? Um, but I, I'm really interested, Martin, to see whether there will be a wave of young people rebelling mm. against that. And, and if we don't, I think we need to ask ourselves really interesting questions about why that is. Mm. Um, I remember, do you remember when the Iraq war happened? And I was a schools worker in North London. And there was one day I went to a high school and the entire high school at the end of first break, they had, they had organized themselves mm. and they all refused to go into lessons. 
They all refused. Wow. And it was the most extraordinary thing to witness. And I thought the school handled it very well. They just let them do it. Because they, they, the head said to me, listen, there are a thousand kids. There are 50 staff. You know, what, what, <laughs> this is, there's no way we're going to win this one. Um, but they just let them march around until they'd got their kind of, whatever it was. And there would have been a mix of emotions, wouldn't there? Some of them would generally want to campaign against the war. Some of them are just really enjoying sticking two fingers up at yeah. lessons. Um, but I, part of me thinks, I, I was expecting to see a bit more rebellion, um, a bit more kids sneaking out, a bit more stories of that. And, and I'm, I'm wondering why we're not. And I'm not, I'm not saying, it's, it's a neutral question in a way, because if they're not, because actually they generally have got hold of the message about saving lives. And of course, that's brilliant, isn't it? You know, mm. but, but I'd like to know what rebellion will look like, because younger generations need to rebel don't they that, that yeah, they, they, yeah they should be pushing against the status quo they should be finding other spaces and places and not to be at risk and not to be at harm but to kind of shape a different future and and if we have a generation in lockdown who's imaginations have been effectively put in lockdown because of fear actually mm. because of the worst fear you know it's a really interesting question for us isn't it? how do we help because our role as youth workers is always to agitate mm. um, and at the moment that's a difficult space because we're not saying we're not going to say oh meet you out in the car park for a quick bible study you know <laughs> you know we, we can't and yet we've told the stories all through the last 20 30 years of youth work of of the you know people in refugee camps who create like Bible studies and in, in the mm. death camps and they 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 defy the authorities you know they, do you know what I mean like it's really yeah. interesting isn't it what where are the defying stories going to come and I I wonder whether I mean this is a very um this is quite a bleak answer to what you're asking but I do um I do wonder whether young people are so distracted. Uh, by the the options available to them for entertainment and and just stuff to hold in their hands and keep their brains occupied, that the thought of rebellion doesn't strike them quite so easily because they are pacified. And so I just wonder whether as we see, potentially as we see more young people putting down their phones and putting down uh, distractions, whether we might start to see a bit more rebellion, actually. I think Sorry. you're so right. And I think that's true for all of us, isn't it? And, and I was reading something last week that said, um, you know, secret messages from government officials say that actually government are very surprised at how compliant the general population are being. Mm. They really expected more people not to abide by this. And so, um, although they'd never publicly say that. So I think it's all of us. I think we, we, we all have that. And yet I wonder when we're going to need to... Um, reignite within youth ministry and within young people's hearts not us do it sorry that we you know we're not the ones that have the power to reignite anything but when when do we want to say to young people actually come on your wings mm. need to unfurl and 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 dream bigger again and, and are, we're going to be part of that surely aren't we as youth ministers those that stand in the gap for them i wonder whether i wonder whether this enables us to see a phenomenon that's been around for a while i wonder whether young people have been pacified for quite a while over the last few years by just by by the fact that you cannot be bored anymore like as a, a young person as young people growing up and we try not to do this too often Rachel but yeah many years ago when we were teenagers like you could get bored you were bored every day there was a well, not, point if, of... not if you were tie-dyeing your clothing I mean I found that I could pass oh. many an hour tie-dyeing my clothing but yes you're right you, huge swathe and adults had no desire to fill that you know they weren't no. interested in filling that space no 
Whereas now I think that it, your experience growing up as a teenager is how, your challenge is how do you manage all the competing opportunities for how you can spend your time? Like your, your, you know, I think of my, my teenage son is 14. He's got a couple of hours a night that are his own that he can decide what to do. And he's thinking like PlayStation, am I watching a bit of this? Am I watching a bit of that? Do I want to do a bit of, you know, something that isn't? Uh, on a screen you know and he's only got a couple of hours to do it where it's very different experience to the ones Mm. we had growing up so i wonder whether there's some interesting long-term stuff to observe there but again are young people recognizing that in some way at the moment and actually are the first stages of rebellion them starting to put down the distraction is quite exciting Oh, I hope so. I I hope so. I think that's really interesting, isn't it? That's really interesting. And it is interesting what we as adults do with the YouTube space as well, is it? Because we tend to colonize spaces and make them very sedentary. Oh, yeah. So I really hope young people do, you know, <laughs> reject it and seek their own. And, and, and I think the creativity, I remember years ago, what's the name of that guy that did a brilliant TED talk about the importance of creativity in education? He sort of slightly broke the internet with it. Everyone's screaming at me now. They, they're listening to podcasts shouting his name. I can't remember his name. Dave Eggers. Dave Eggers? Sorry? Is it Dave Eggers? Oh, it might have been something like that, but it was a well, brilliant the one. The guy with the school. The guy with the, yes. the school. Yeah, yeah, I know the one you mean. Yes. Don't know so his it's name. brilliant. It's about the importance of creativity. And I think maybe now more than ever, we need to be just, yeah, the rebellion of creativity. You know, that, that creativity isn't about a little craft project on the side that, is, that you give to your neighbour. Sorry about your kids. My kids do it too. But the rebellion of creativity, if it actually enables young people to think radically differently when the status quo is so all-controlling. Mm. That, that sounds brilliant to me. Sounds like Jesus is all over it. All over it, mate. How exciting. So, um, of course, this has been a rambling podcast, hasn't it? I hope but people have enjoyed it. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, there are a few things I think emerging that we're going to be talking about over the next few podcasts. One of them is going to be about um, about bereavement, I think, Martin, because I, I picked up mm. last week and over the weekend, I'm suddenly seeing in my social media feed, I'm suddenly hearing from friends, um, people's loved ones are dying. Yes. And that's, and that, that, I mean, I'm sure that's been happening since the get go. So, so I, my heart goes out to anybody if it's like, that was for me five weeks ago, but it doesn't feel now like that mm-hmm. seems to be close to people's doors. And we want to be talking about bereavement and grief. Um, and also plotting this journey a bit. Will Vanderhaar said last week on a brilliant podcast, actually seeing people over video call is disorientating for your brain. Mm-hmm. Actually more intimate is just hearing their voice on the phone. So I do you think we're going to be sort of plotting a bit? How are young people seeking out intimate encounter? Um, the that other sounds like the, what you spent most of your life doing, Rachel. <laughs> well, that does lead next to the next one because I have had uh, more requests from youth workers via email to say, how do I help young people who are struggling because actually they're engaging in a lot of phone sex? And phone sex is one of those words that's like reminiscent of the 80s, isn't it? But it's really <laughs> interesting how that a number of youth workers and some young people have contacted me directly as well and said, help. So we will be tackling some of these uh, issues wow. again. But I think there's a few things coming up the pipeline that we're going to be chatting about um, these all so sound send- like quite interesting podcasts mm-hmm. and i think we're also going to do we're also going to do one on additional needs and young people uh, and yes. and this current crisis and uh, just to give you a little taster of that part of that is about um what we do now to help young people who are with additional needs trying to fathom you know how they how they navigate this 
present moment. But the other half of it is what are we going to learn now, which we can, which will then enable us to do additional needs better uh, when we go in inverted mm. commas back to normal. So mm. loads of stuff to talk about in the coming episodes. Mm. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you're back. I know you've only been away for one, but it feels like you've been away too long, Martin. Don't leave us high you're and dry. You're so kind. You're so <laughs> kind. But I heard there was a lot of positive feedback on the last episode, an, an <laughs> uncharacteristic amount of positive feedback on the last episode. So let's not, let's not worry too much. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, gentle youth worker, uh, you can do so on the usual social media channels or by emailing us podcast at youthscape.co.uk. Uh, but otherwise, until next time, I've been Martin Saunders. And I've been Rachel Gardner. We love you! <laughs> <laughs>